Hello and welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast, number 76. I'm your host, Brian. Joining me this evening, Ian. Hello! And Mac. Hey, everybody. And Kimberly. Hello there. And, and Ian, if you're going to do that again, <laughs> you need to get a foot away from your microphone. Okay, I'd be good. Yeah, you're a little loud. How's everybody doing? Doing great. Yeah? Doing yeah, all right. I'm glad to be back. Survived the uh, Mayan apocalypse. Ugh, worst Brand apocalypse ever. Lucky 13. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the apocalypse was a, was a big bust. Worst apocalypse ever. Exactly. I did go to the Mayan Survivor Party up in uh, Colorado Springs. I ended up actually talking to a, um, is she a psychiatrist, psychologist up there. She was a, um, part of the, uh, free thought community. She was, she was great. I, uh, spent quite a bit of time talking to her, talked to some other people, saw Michael up there, who I thought was going to join us tonight, but is nowhere to be found, but that's okay. So it was fun. We drove up there, had a couple of drinks. Yeah. Were there any, were there any new, Mayan apocalypse rituals or anything like that? No. Or just drinking? No. no. You know that they didn't even air grievances. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. I thought that was something you did for everything now. <laughs> I mean, at least around, you know, you know, the holidays, you should always air grievances. That That's probably the best part of the Festivus party mm-hmm. is the airing of the grievances. That was a lot of fun. That and Rich using a bullhorn inside his house. I think that was somebody's grievance. <laughs> All right, let's have the announcements. Okay, great. Uh, so we've got uh, some fun stuff coming up. Denver just keeps seeming to get more organized. Uh, we're going to be having a meeting on Saturday, January 12th at 2 p.m. It will apparently conflict with some kind of football or soccer game, I don't know, whatever the Broncos play, um, playing on the 12th, and so no one's going to go to this thing. But uh, that's okay. We'll get started with the people who aren't addicted to football. And basically the idea is the FFRF, the Freedom from Religion Foundation, um, they, we want to set up a Denver chapter. So that would be uh, cool. we're going to look into that on the 12th. I am a member of FFRF. I joined them oh, this year. Good. Well, if you can make it, uh, apparently to create a chapter, we need 10 dues-paying members. Well, You don't have to be a member to come to the organization meeting. You can just come and learn more. But um, we do need some people. So well, if I, you are, that I, would be great. Yeah, I'll do that. I pay dues. I'll come Good. and help you out. All right. On Sunday the 13th, uh, the Humanists of Colorado are having their regular monthly meeting. This month, we're having Marvin Strauss, who uh, be- he did a, a speech at the AAA convention back in September, but it was in a different building, and it was against a bunch of other really great speeches, and I think was kind of poorly attended, unfortunately. So he's going to be doing that same presentation he did for the for the conference on Sunday at... Uh, well, we start at 6 with a potluck, and then 7 o'clock is the, uh, is the presentation. The Boulder Atheists are doing another one of their atheist classrooms on Wednesday, January 16th. This one on the love of science and nature. The Free Thought Exchange, which is going through some very interesting stuff right now. They just opened a chapter out in Orlando, and apparently were featured on a uh, Thinking Atheist video. So they're getting a lot of attention right now, and uh, a lot of people are really interested in it. But we're going to be doing West Bowles Community Church on Thursday, January 24th. And then what I'm super, super excited about and been working really hard on is the secular hub that I've talked about before is finally going to be opening its doors. We've rented a place. The lease started on January 1st. We're at 31st and Downing. And we are going to have our grand opening coinciding with Darwin Day. 
on February 12th. That's a Tuesday. And uh, I just talked today with James DeGregory, who runs CERT, which is the Colorado Evolution Response Team. They're basically a group of scientists who, when people basically start wanting to talk creationism and taking evolution out of the curriculum, uh, go in with the facts and figures and good speeches and stuff like that. I so, didn't realize uh, that we're they really were... excited to have him be our first official speaker. Are they local? Yeah. They're I didn't local realize that. Town. I... Um, okay. I think he's at uh, DU. Okay. I could have that wrong. He might be at a different one. I've read stuff from, from them on the web, but mm-hmm. I didn't realize that they were local. Yeah, that C is Colorado. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they're awesome. I've, I've, I've seen him present before, and I'm really excited to hear him again. And, um, you know, Darwin Day is always a lot of fun. Uh, also coming up on Saturday, February 23rd, the Fort Collins Skeptic Camp, I guess, is happening, I guess, at Mulligan's. Is that right? I haven't looked into it yet, to be honest. Actually, isn't Mulligan's yeah. the pub? Mulligan's Pub. That's huh. what. That's where they're going to have the actual Skeptic Camp? Yep. Okay, well, that's good with me. And then there's also some planning going on for Skeptic Camp Denver, which I guess will be on April 27th. So you can go to the Skeptic Camp uh, wiki and uh, get more information on both of those. And that's your announcements for today. All right. Very good. So, well, we actually have science stuff today. So we're, we're going to start with anti-GMO movement creator has regrets. Yeah, I, I caught this um, just off of, uh, I, I think I followed somebody else's blog or something like that. Uh, and this I thought was just really interesting for two reasons. One, I honestly don't know all that much about GMOs, which stands for genetically modified organisms. Organisms. I guess. Organisms. Yeah. yeah. It's organisms. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's mostly about food. And these days, GMOs are huge business. They're selling billions and billions of dollars. And these are genetically modified in a lab. They basically get these seeds that produce more food, uh, faster with less, less resist, or more resistance, I guess, to bugs, less vulnerability to uh, pest infestation, stuff like that. And they're being used around the world to feed our population. A lot of people have a real problem with this. Since the 90s, there's been a big movement that's very anti-GMO, that it's poison, we shouldn't be messing around with the genetics of the food we eat, people are calling for natural and organic foods and stuff like that. So I've always kind of been like, I don't really know, I don't go for the organic stuff, I don't really know too much about it. But this article that we have, we've got linked here is talking about the guy who kind of created the movement uh, back in the mid-90s, or one of the guys. His name is Mark Linus, uh, and he apparently did a bunch of research and found out that according to every test that we can do, GMO foods are not any more dangerous than any other kind of food. Again, this has all sorts of caveats on it. Of course, anytime you're raising food, you have the chance of, you know, um, we've seen organic food and stuff be, uh, being bad for you, specific batch of stuff. But there's nothing that actually goes into the genetic manipulation of, of these plants that causes the problem. And so he came back out and... Um, I thought very bravely said, I looked at the science, and I apologize. I was wrong. Really did a big 180 on it. So, yeah. uh, of course, here at the Amateur Skeptics, we always like people who can do the research and recognize what the what the conclusions are, even if they're not what you were looking for. Right, but a lot of times with these kinds of things, the harm is already done. Because, you know, even now, I mean, it's like with the anti-vax stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Everybody's come out. Vaccines are safe. But we have, you know, these pockets of people who don't believe it. And this is going to be the same way. But, you know, okay. some of the, you know, it's like some of the issues that they have are, are valid concerns because we have people mm-hmm. modifying seeds that, that have to be, they have to repurchase seeds every year and they can't collect seeds and replant them. And so there, so some of that is because of the way that they're engineered and some of it's because of the way that they license them because they can license a seed different if it's a natural seed versus a, a, a modified seed. But a lot of this is, is funny because we don't eat a single vegetable that isn't genetically modified. Right. I, mean, I, I put that on my Facebook post and, and, and said the same kind of thing. I mean, since the beginning of time, we've been hybridizing plants in in all farming. I mean, that's that's basically almost the definition of farming, which is genetic yeah. manipulation. Right. It, it's funny because, you know, it's like, give me a GMO-free banana. Yeah. Right? Well, Somebody, it's a very vague term. <laughs> well, it is. Now, when they say GMOs, they are specifically talking about laboratory GMOs. Stuff that's being done in the lab. And there are things that we need to be concerned about. One of the ones I heard about, they, they took proteins from a Brazil nut, and I think that they put them into soy. And one of the issues that they had was that if you were allergic to Brazil nuts, you would be allergic to that soy bean. So, so that makes sense. Yeah, so there's certain allergies. Well, but you don't know that. What, what, are, what are you allergic to in the peanut? Is it the protein? Is it this or is it that? So, I mean, because one of the things they might be able to do with GMOs is make a peanut that people aren't allergic to. But if it's the protein, probably not. Uh, I don't even know if somebody's trying to do that. It just occurred to me that that might be a good thing. But I, I think their concerns might be valid and should be addressed. Um, they, the other concern they have is that if you have a GMO crop, you have, you, you, you have to put a bumper crop before you do another crop because of, um, cross-pollination. You want to be careful about cross-pollination with, with different plants. And there's different reasons for that. One is because you don't know what that might produce. Um, the other is that, you know, particularly with organic stuff, they're trying to keep their, their lines as pure as possible. Uh, I remember when I worked at the greenhouse, they had, we had some sort of a brandy wine tomato that they had done their best to never cross multiply or cross, um, the, the cross pollinate. Yeah, cross pollinate with any other plant. And it's like, well, okay. I mean, if it produces a better, more tasty tomato, you know, go for it. Um, but if it's no better than any other tomato, who cares? So there are, so I think that, I think that the scare is probably overdone, but I think that there are some concerns that need to be addressed. The other thing is that, you know, each into each GMO would have to be addressed individually. Right. You can't just lump all GMOs into the same category because they're all doing different things. So. Oh, and here's another thought too. It's possible that when this guy started his anti-GMO movement, it's possible that at the time it was wise because it's it's still a relatively young science. We're better at it now than we were back then. Well, back then there could have been a lot more mistakes made. Well, what do you mean back then? I mean it's new in the laboratory, but but we've been but we've been doing it for thousands of years. Okay, but you know, as far as a laboratory science goes, okay. genetically modifying things. It was a young science back then. We've never and been there, able to specifically there, there were target steps that could be made. Sure, absolutely, and and we're targeting individual genes. Well, you can't do that when you, when you're you know, when you're crossing two plants in the field. You you cross them and you see what happens, right? But in a well, laboratory, we can do things a little bit more precise. And certainly, you could cross something that could create something poisonous, or you know, yeah. So each one, I really needs to be um, 
evaluated in and of itself. So the problem is, is that... And I do think that's part of what, what happens with the, uh, the Food and Drug Administration, right? Yeah, I don't know exactly how much input that there is going on there, but you would think there, there's there's an issue between, you know, getting something, you know, and making a profit out of it, and how long is it going to take it to go through the Drug and Food Administration before they can actually go and plant it? You know, I don't know. You would think that there would be a certain amount of time that you would want to investigate the crop before you declare it safe, like much like you would any any new drug, right? It would have right. to go through certain trials, so it could get expensive. But I bet it doesn't happen. You know, we see new fruits all the time that they cross. I mean, how many apple strains are there now? I bet you not each one of those is being certified. Well, it depends on how heavy the barrel of apples the person is lifting is as to how many apple strains there are. Yeah, I just hope that it doesn't turn around and next week we find out that this dude is on some GMO payroll and he's just a shell. Sure. <laughs> I sure. hope it was yeah. legit. I checked the science. I was wrong. Mea culpa. <laughs> I hope it was legit. Yeah. So well, if that's what it turns out to be, though, we'll report it at that time. Yeah. yeah. All right, Ian. Why do I have to stop beating my kids? <laughs> well, according to this article in Psychology Today by... Was it Molly Castello, PhD? Um, some recent studies have shown that spanking your kids can actually decrease their IQ and interfere with the um, brain's gray matter. So you really are beating the stupid into them instead of out of them. Apparently, yeah, that's basically what it's saying. I think if this happens, I think you're swinging way too high. <laughs> Yeah, it is, it is kind of an interesting claim that by spanking them, you're reducing gray matter in the brain. Well, it okay. goes into talking about the link, you know, because it is part of the nervous system and everything. Right. And, where was it? I don't remember. There was an area where it actually got into exactly how they think it, it, um, does it, but I'm not finding it now. Yeah. Well, now, in the article, it's talking about supporting the hypothesis that children and adolescents subjected to child abuse and neglect have less gray matter than children who have not been ill-treated. Okay, the question I think we need to look at is, is spanking actually child abuse? Well, and that's an, that, I, that's an interesting question. And Sweden outlawed spanking in 1979. Okay. And, and there is a big question as to whether it's child abuse. I well, I can tell you, my two boys don't get spanked, and we are constantly complimented on how well-behaved they are. So, you know, the, the idea that, you know, I, I've seen the debate, I've looked over stuff, and a lot of people claim, oh, well, kids that don't get spanked are out of control. My boys are not out of control. They're very well-behaved, never been spanked. You know, the main punishment is they get sent to their room, and that does affect them. And, you know, we don't... The room well, yeah, because... I've, I've seen their rooms. They could, they might never find their way back out. Okay, but, here's the thing. Um, you know, I, I, I have spanked the girls, but I don't do it regularly. There had just been times, but every time, I mean, I really can't wail on them and I feel bad about it and it really doesn't change their behavior. And, and this article says this, the exact same things. And I feel like if I resort to that, I have failed as a parent. Because we should yeah. have better tools for dealing with this stuff. And it, and their suggestions are send them to the room. I, I mean, we, we don't spank the girls. Like I say, I, I have. They've been spanked, but it's it's not helpful. Maybe if I did it more often, it would be more effective. I was trying to find an article I read a few years ago talking about how there are no violent criminals in the prison system who have not, at the minimum, been spanked. 
Basically, if, if they're a violent criminal, they were at least spanked. If, if uh, According to that, the kids that weren't spanked do not, not become violent criminals. And that actually makes sense to me. Because, okay, how, you know, many kids, how many kids that were spanked don't become violent criminals, though? But if <laughs> the minimum thing for becoming a violent criminal is being spanked, that does say something about how, well, if they're not being spanked and they are not going to become violent criminals, there's, you know, there, there's a connection there. I would severely question that. I, 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 I really I like I could, to see I that. I found it. I, I've been looking for it. I remember reading it a few years back. It was after a video got released of some girl really beating the crap out of some other kids. And I got into a blog thing. They were saying, oh, well, that girl should have been spanked. I'm like, where are you getting that from? There's no logic to saying that that girl's violent just because she wasn't spanked. And I went and I um, found this article and I showed it to her. I'd be interested to say uh, I would believe that of women before I believe that of men. And maybe that's just me being a sexist, but men do tend to be more violent than women. And so if you told me that women that don't get spanked don't become violent criminals, I, I might believe you. But if you want to tell me that, that the same is true of men, you're going to have to show me. I was, I was trying to find the article. I couldn't find it somewhere out there. Something along the lines of um, violent criminals have been spanked or something like that. So, and but it, I remember it was an interesting because it showed the statistics on the level of abuse starting at spanking all the way up to, you know, seriously abuse and how that affects how violent criminals become. And it showed a correlation between the two. The, the more they were abused as a kid, the more violent they become, and the minimum was spanking. Well, like, and when, okay, they, when they're talking spank about spanking in these studies, how much were these kids being spanked? Was it the occasional, um, you know, swat on the ass? Or was it like, every you know, it's like, well, pff, you didn't do your homework again. Bend over. Yeah, well, you hear stories. My wife will tell me stories about her family. There were a lot of spanking in there, and that I don't think really did any good if you um, know, you know, about her cousins and stuff and a lot of the stuff that went on there. Okay. I don't know that spanking does any good, but I'm also wondering how, how much spanking are we talking about to reduce gray matter? I, I just, I mean, we're not talking about the occasional spanking then. We're, we're, we're talking about people who regularly spank their kids as, as corporal like, punishment, I, I, right? I think I agree with you. I mean, I, I just don't know what's going on here. I, I, I doubt that I have scarred my kids for life by the, the, by the one or two times that I have. No, you've scarred your girls by, for life in all sorts of other ways. Right. Yeah. No, there's plenty <laughs> of other stuff that I've done to scar them. I don't think the spanking is responsible for, for, yeah. for them. But, you know, there's a level of, you know, within turning, having controls. Because I, I do love the, it, it talks about here that if they do that, a parent should explain calmly why they did it. The specific behavior that pro make sure they understand the cause and effect of it. Not just, oh, you did something wrong, here's a spanking, now go and think about it. Because kids don't necessarily think about it. I've, I've dealt that with mine. Every time my kids ever get punished, afterwards I take them aside and say, listen, do you understand why we did that? Tell me you understand. Make sure you you understand what it was that got you into that position you did not like, so that you understand that's not um you know well the behavior that's acceptable. And I think often with spanking, from what I've seen, that there's not that next step. You spank and say, okay, there, that'll teach you, and let it go. And it's like, well, that's not teaching them anything. Mm. You know, to, that's the one thing with me. I, you know, I, I communicate with my boys. They know why they're in trouble. They know what they did that got me upset. And, you know, I will sit there and I will bug them like crazy until they are communicating to me that, okay, yes, I understand. And that I think that's worse punishment for them than spanking, listening to me talk to them. <laughs> it probably is. It, it's hurting me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you went there. <laughs> I did. I went there. <laughs> yeah. So we have them. We have a thing that just uh, the statistics on spanking, in case anyone's interested in reading it, it does mention the stuff Brian talked about. 
Um, but it mentions the emotional stuff to it and, uh, it talks about 100 studies, com- over 100 studies combined. And the general thing is that many emotional and social problems, um, low IQs, increased aggressiveness and such seem to have been linked to spanking. Yeah, I, uh, I think that this calls for experimentation. I think we need to find out exactly how much, how much spanking is required to reduce the gray matter by how much of a percent. Well, that, that is one of the questions I actually have is, I think what are we talking I think about we're looking here? For, I think we're looking for extensive laboratory spanking experiments. <laughs> yeah, that might fall into that weird moral area that science isn't supposed to cross, and you get in a little bit of trouble when they do. Science is beyond morality. Damn it. All right, well, yeah, I, I don't necessarily disagree with their findings, but I do wonder how much spanking we're talking about. I mean, yeah. I, I would really like to know. Um, <laughs> you know, I it just seems... It seems a little extreme. I, I just, I, I have questions. Your questions are good. All right. And how you have I mean, questions? How much, how much help has it been? Like you know, we didn't have timeouts in my house when I was growing up. I, I can't imagine them being as effective as my mother scaring the living crap out of me. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, the most effective punishment I remember. I'm not going to go into the details on it, but I basically really upset my father. And he was withdrawn from me for a while. And, you know, you could feel the disconnect because he didn't quite know what to do with me. I'd cross some lines. And, um, you know, it took a while to rebuild some of that. Hmm. And that was the worst punishment I remember. That's what stuck in my head the most was, I, you know, physical stuff wouldn't have done that to me. It was the fact that he was trying to figure out, you know, what was going on and what to do. And it, it, there was definitely something there. It didn't have to touch me once. It was he just... You could, I could physically, mentally tell that we were just, you know, there, there was something going on between us, and I, I knew what I had done to do it. So, well, there you go. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, Brian, you say you've got questions. Let me ask you: Is that Ask a Ninja site still up? Yeah, right. That would be a good one. <laughs> you have questions. Ninja have answers. <laughs> All right, let's move on. I want to talk about the Platinum Twenty Two Gas Saber. So you got to do it more dramatically. Oh yeah, Platinum Twenty Two. Platinum 22 gas saver can save you up to, can increase your car's efficiency up to 22%. So I listened to this, um, uh, I'm sorry? Hold on. I hit the link. (laughs) I'm, there we go. (laughs) Yeah, if you hit the link, he's going to talk to you. Yes. And Michael has just come on. Say hi, Michael. Or don't. <laughs> Hello, Michael. All right, so I, I listened to a um a, a paranormal show called the Paracast on the GCN network, and they have a lot of advertisements. And most of the products are are complete and total bunk. But this one caught my eye for a couple of reasons, mainly because they said that the the federal government said that it worked. I'm thinking, well, now that's interesting because, as far as I know, they they haven't endorsed any gas saving. Um, devices. And it's right there on the, the front there. It says U.S. government tested tests confirm that the Robinson engine head, whatever, 40% more miles per gallon. That's huge. 48%. And they, they claimed that it was, uh, that it, um, that the agency was the Federal Consumer Protection Agency. So I thought, well, I should look into that. Um, so they make a, a bunch of claims. But I don't me- believe I've ever heard of a federal consumer protection agency. Shh, we'll get there. Okay. You're giving it all away. 
Let's see. So let me see what they. So they 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 can they claim better gas efficiency. They so they they said that they're going to increase the miles per gallon, lower the emissions, um, substantially reduce carbon buildup with uh, within the engine, uh, increase the lifespan of the engine, twenty two percent fuel savings, cost less than a catalytic converter, which is true. Uh, most catalytic converters are are more expensive than this device. Okay. But you've only got to buy a catalytic converter once. This you have to buy their cartridges of their fuel additive that go into to their uh, through their special device. The other claim that they make, um, the other thing, well, they say in this video is that that your vehicle is only burning sixty percent of the gas that you put into it. So I so the other thirty two percent supposedly are getting burned up by the catalytic converter. Which I also thought was was interesting because that I mean number one that 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 seems highly inefficient, you know if you're I mean if you're not even burning all the gas. So I found this article that on a government site that says uh, fuel economy where energy goes, and I I did not realize just how you lose about seventy to seventy two percent of of the energy that the engine is creating through heat. Thermals such as radiator, exhaust, heat, combustion, um, pumping, and friction. So that's so right right off the bat, you're losing seventy to seventy two percent. And that's the combined, I guess. So city is seventy four to seventy five, and highway you get sixty to sixty five. So an engine is going to be about fourteen to twenty percent of the of the energy it's creating is actually going to be going to the wheels to create motion. All the rest of it is getting um, is getting lost. I, I I was a little surprised by just how high that was. I didn't realize just how much um how just how much energy we were losing in in that transference. That seems very surprising. Yeah, but these numbers were put together um from an EPA report. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's going to vary, of course, depending on on your vehicle, what kind of gas you can use, because there's different compression ratings for engines. And then there, but then there's also the fuel to air mixture. For the combustion engine to guarantee that you that you're burning up all the fuel, so that was kind of the first thing that I started looking at. And you need a 14.7 to one ratio of oxygen to fuel to to efficiently burn all of the all of the fuel in the cylinder. So that's what that's what they're supposed to be doing because the idea is to burn all of all of the gas in this in the um, that the engine is taking in. And then, but there is some that gets, that gets exhausted and that goes into the catalytic converter for a, to, to get burned up before it goes to exhaust. But I couldn't really find anywhere. I mean, the, the idea is if you're getting this ratio, you should actually be burning all of the fuel. So I don't know where this 68 number they're talking about comes from. I don't know if it's as vehicle ages, older vehicles on the road, if it's an average. Uh, of some sort because they don't give, they don't source anything. They make a whole bunch of claims and there's never a single source. If you look at the front of their site, the first thing is from this rebutter and I can't, ver- and I looked at this and this is where, you know, they, they claim the government agency, but they, but even in this, they're not specific about the agency. And then when you look below it, there's a quote from MSNBC, but I, but it doesn't say who the author was. It doesn't say when it was published. It doesn't say anything about it. So I looked through, I, I tried to look through MSNBC's archives and stuff online and find this. 
I cannot find it. And this, and this, but it does say in here that the Robinson's engine head gets its final EPA testing data, um, and expense to launch is spring 2011. But I can't find this article anywhere. The EPA did test it. It, it has been, it, the other thing on the site is that there's no independent, you know, the, there's a lot of, uh, of anecdotes, you know, people writing in claiming that they got all this gas savings and stuff. And you don't know where any, any of that came from. You don't know if any of that is legitimate. It does look we like. We don't know if any of it's placebo effect either. Well, exactly. Um, but you know, it's, I mean, that, this is one where it's easy enough to get hard numbers. I mean, at least within, between I mean, 22%, you should be able to figure out if, if you're actually getting 48% more miles a gallon. But you're right, but a lot of it probably is placebo because people actually probably are not keeping the numbers. But that's one thing about the site is that they don't source anything. They make claim after claim after claim, like this government claim, which you would think that would be, okay, well, that's a slam dunk. Let's see that report. Well, they don't link to it. All it is, all this is that they're linking to is um, from a press release, but it doesn't actually say who, um, where the press release came from. It doesn't say the government agency. I, I, I mean, it just, it just says. So it's part of what they're saying. Um, much of what they're saying is a rehashed, repackaged version of the HHO scam that uh, we've seen in the past few years where, um, Units are being sold that you're supposed to stick inside your car, and they uh, purport to be creating hydrogen to be added to the chamber so that you can increase uh, the amount of fuel burned. And many of the numbers that they use in that scam are now being used in the scam that you just said. Okay, and and, and that may be I've where they, this. I've met uh, a YouTube user named HHO Info who basically spends all his time debunking that myth and. Uh, much of what is being said about Platinum 22 is exactly what was being said about the HHO units. Okay. And now this company has been around for 30 years. They've been, they've been selling the product for a long time, which was interesting. And there was actually, um, back in, I think it was 1998 that, um, that I guess it was the Federal Postal Service tried to, to shut them down for, for making claims and they lost for whatever reason. And I couldn't find the actual, um, like what brief from from um, from that lawsuit, but the government lost that lawsuit for some reason, and I don't know why. And so they've used that as a springboard to say, "Listen, they tried to sue us and shut us down, but guess what? They couldn't because you know because we're so fantastic, our product works." And so they took that um, that winning of that of that court case, you know, and they used that to basically say that their their product works. The government couldn't couldn't sue them, you know, couldn't. Couldn't get rid of him. It's very reminiscent of Gary Trudeau when he came out with a book called Secrets the Government Doesn't Want You to Know, just because he was sued about his first book, which had a whole bunch of home remedies, and then he went off the deep end, uh, and he used the government losing a court case to bolster his book sales. You mean Kevin Trudeau, Gary, right? I was going to say Gary Trudeau or Kevin Trudeau. Trudeau. Gary Trudeau was the guy who did Boonesbury. Right. I think you mean Kevin Trudeau. Yes. Yeah, the guy who, the only one that the FCC has ever taken off of television. Banned. I like this article here, the News Channel 5 investigation of it. I'm looking at this. It's talking about the fact that uh, Canada and the state of Texas both find Joel Robinson. Right. They they find the, the yeah. So they they have lost some lawsuits now. So they there's earlier lawsuit I think made. I I wish I could find out why they lost that lawsuit. 
because I don't think it, I think that they found a loophole. Um, but they are making blunt, outright claims that are not true as far as I can tell from independent testing. Um, so the, the news five, they tested it. They got no improvement. Consumer reports tested it. They, and we got no improvement and the EPA tested it with three different vehicles for a minimum of 2000 miles and found no improvement, no significant improvement. So whatever that means, like you were saying, this federal consumer protection agency that they're claiming has endorsed their product doesn't exist. And it's interesting because even, you know, you go through this press release that they're claiming that the government tested it, U.S. government testing officials, uh, known as the EPA. So they, so, uh, so it is in here that the EPA tested it and found that the product worked. Well, they found no significant improvement according to the EPA report that I, that I looked at. They have, they have submitted it twice. The EPA, as far as I know, has tested it twice. The EPA has some sort of mandate that, that they have to test the claims of all of these, all of these products. As to this date, they have yet to find one that actually works. Yeah. So ultimately, um, and who, who else? And the other one that, that actually tested it was, um, Consumer Reports also said that it, that, that in their test, it didn't work. So every independent agency that, that has tested it has found no improvement. Only the company's own testing has found any improvement whatsoever, which I find suspicious. I find convenient. Well, it's quite convenient, but they, but I don't understand because it seems like they're making direct claims that, that are testable and should be able to, they should have to, they should have to remove these claims, shouldn't they? And like you were saying, you know, the, um, uh, the Channel 5 report claim, um, says that they, that they have been sued by, can by, uh, what, some, somewhere in Canada State and Texas. Texas and Canada. Yeah. State of Texas find them $10,000. Canada find them 100000 Right, but they're still doing it. The fines were not enough. So it's interesting. You know, it seems like there there should be a way. I mean, do we not have a government agency that can go and tell these people you have to stop making these claims? You know, they they have something like that in Australia. So I think a lot of it just has to do with just exactly how they say it. I mean, yeah. there's I think a lot of ways around to get around these things. And they shouldn't, but I think that's what what really happens there. Yeah, so Ultimately, what I found in my research is that the claim of a uh, 22% increase in efficiency doesn't, is probably unlikely, but I couldn't verify it for sure. But the idea that 32% of the fuel that you put into your combustion engine just isn't getting burned seems unlikely, but it's not completely impossible, right? But I don't know where they came up with those numbers and I couldn't find anything to confirm it. And from what I can tell by reading, I put a lot of stuff in there because I was reading about, you know, the efficiency of combustion engines and, and different stuff like that. If the, uh, if the air to, to fuel mixture is, is 14.7 to 1, you should be, um, burning all of the fuel. But that's not to say that, that it is. And there's always a chance that the EPA report was looking at older vehicles. That were that were not that were not tuned properly and had lost compression and different things like that 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 could cause that fuel to not get burned. But in a new combustion engine, I would I would doubt that 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 is true. But like I say, they don't source it; they just say it. So I have no way. I mean, they, they basically, they don't back it up. They don't back up anything they say. Ready to move on? Yep. I guess so. Yeah. I was, I gotta say, when I was reading through the articles today, I was really disappointed as we went through because I did get all suckered in on the, wow, 22% better gas mileage. 
I totally want to buy 48% this. better gas mileage. Yeah, 22% yeah. more efficiency, 48% yeah. more gas But I, I think it's just like dieting. I mean, you know, you, you just keep hoping for one of those magic pills, but... You know, at the end of all these articles, it came back to, you know, drive slower, make sure your air pressure's right. <laughs> right. Just like dieting, right? You know, eat better, get more exercise. Like, wh- wh- where's the magic pill? That's what I want. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I hate when the stories like this lead to, like, did you know that GM has a engine that'll get 200 miles per gallon, but they're keeping it under wraps? Mm-hmm. You know, stories like that. Yeah. That the inventor was killed, so he would be silenced. <laughs> Yeah, right. They locked oh, that's all. A, of that's them. actually a really good way of to silence somebody, as it turns out. Well, they say, but it, it harkens back to the same kind of things that they say about Tesla, <laughs> that he invented all of these things, um, and that he made all these claims about free energy, which he didn't. <laughs> um, you know, but they, but the government doesn't want you to know, so they locked them all up. I mean, it's a, it's the same kind of conspiracy nonsense. And, and the other thing that I, I guess I, the other real big question I had is why the heck would adding platinum to my fuel make it burn better? I don't get that at all. Why is adding heavy, uh, he, adding metal, you know, in, in any, in any way going to help it burn better? And how is it all, and how's that going to reduce carbon? I think it's homeopathic you know, they used in to, nature. It might be. They, they used to, <laughs> in, they used to have lead in gasoline, but that lead in the gasoline was to help keep the seals in the engine soft. Right, but when but when we moved to hardened it didn't seals, have anything to do. It didn't have anything to do with the fuel burning. Right, but right. when the newer engines have the what the hardened seals and valves, and that's not necessary anymore. Mm-hmm. So is it? So are you are you thinking that they're they're making the same assumption that I, the I'm platinum? I'm thinking that they're making a. I'm thinking that they're making a connection to the lead in the fuel in people's minds, mm-hmm. but not. A scientific one. Right. I'm because, thinking that they're implying that platinum is better than lead. Right. Okay. I, and I can see where they would try to make that, make that connection. And besides which people don't know that much about platinum. It's a, it's a rare and mysterious element. It, it probably does a lot of things that people don't know about because it's rare and mysterious. <laughs> right. Who put the one up here about, uh, the Mythbusters episode 53? I know that they tested a lot of these, but I'm not sure that they tested the platinum um, t- platinum 22. No, they tested uh, quite a few different methods of trying to boost your efficiency. And what they noted in the show was that the EPA had tested 104 different uh, fuel efficiency devices, and only seven showed improvement, and none of them showed more than a six percent improvement. So. This Platinum 22 claiming 22% is uh, far beyond any fuel efficiency improvement of any other device. Even 6% would be good, but where is that efficiency coming from? I guess I would also wonder, you know, are, are they able to, I mean, are they really, I mean, because I guess you can get more efficiency out of your engine by adding a turbo and putting more air into it. Yeah, and just having a really well-built carburetor. Right. I mean, those things. Well, but nothing has a carburetor anymore. That's all electronic now, isn't it? Yeah, it's fuel injection. Fuel injection, yeah. Yeah, so we've done a lot of stuff to, I mean, there was probably a time, I'll bet, I'll bet carburetor engines didn't burn as much. Um, well, I, I know they didn't burn as much fuel, um, as much of the fuel as our new fuel injection does and stuff like that. So I imagine that some of the fuel is not getting burned. I just, I just have an, I just have a hard time with the 32% number. Seems like a lot of fuel going into that catalytic converter to get burned. Anybody else? 
Well, it, I honestly don't know. It's a little bit better of a scam than uh, saying that fuel line magnets are going to align the molecules <laughs> so that they'll burn better. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's a way better scam than that. Let's move on and finish up with creation textbooks. Well, the article is simply titled, Creation Textbooks are Garbage. Creation Textbooks are Garbage. Creation Textbooks are Garbage. But how can that be? And it shows um, a page from a creation textbook. I'll read it straight out to you. Three foundational propositions. God created all things. I'm not quite sure what that has to do with, the, you know, it's, to me it was kind of weird that they say three foundation um, propositions, then put straight out God created all things, then get in to explain what the three propositions are. But according to this, only three explanations can be given for the existence of all matter. These are summarized in the following. Number one, God created it, which is creationism. Number two, it evolved from nothing, which they call atheistic evolutionism. And number three, God created the first matter and set it in motion, forces that caused it to evolve to its current state. And that is theistic. Uh, theistic theistic yeah. evolution. Theistic evolution. Yeah. So I do take right. exception to number two, you, that the matter evolved from nothing. That's that's not quite what yeah. Lawrence Krauss is, is saying. Yeah, well, that's the thing. <laughs> the, the questions get really interesting. Okay, so they give you that, and then they go into your textbook-style questions. What is obviously wrong with the statement of atheistic evolutionism, i.e., that all matter evolved from nothing? Oh, my God. That is so awesome. <laughs> and th so they give you blanks to fill that, and then it goes, because this theory is so obviously ridiculous and unscientific, most honest, they actually have honest italicized or emphasize it, mm -hmm. most honest scientists have been forced to embrace theistic evolutionism. That's... So horrifying. <laughs> Which we all know is extremely inaccurate. Then, um, read 2, Peter, uh, 3, 5. According to this verse, how did the earth come into being? Uh, gives you some blanks. Then, how does God describe those who reject creationism? Gives you some more blanks. Then it follows up, God is saying, although scientists know they are wrong, they refuse to admit it. Why will they purposely reject a fact, creation, they know is, and then obviously that's the end of the page. Right. So it, it, it's one of those things where th there's no room at all here for actual thinking. Uh, one of the comments below talked about how um, there was a quote from, what is it? What is the point of a test? Uh, yeah. What is the point of a test that tells you what to write in the blanks? <laughs> and this is from Cory Doctorow. Cory Doctorow, yeah. He's a, <laughs> Cory Doctorow is pretty funny. He's a pretty awesome guy. Yeah, he's a great that, writer. That was, I'm surprised yeah. you haven't heard you of him, Ian. That. You'd like him. Yeah, you would like him. Uh, I'll have to check him out. But you could see that. I, I see what you're saying. It's like they're giving these questions, but they're not being told to actually think about the answers. They're being told these are the answers. Well, because the answers are fact. <laughs> yeah, it, it's... And facts are not something you have to think about. Facts are simply something that you're told. <laughs> yeah. Now, you can go down and look at some of the um, comments, and there's one from... A disclaimer, I'm a Christian who studies the Bible in Greek and Hebrew, preacher, teacher, lecturer. And even I think this textbook is a complete farce. What shocks me is that 2 Peter 3.5 has nothing to do with the topic. Not only is this crap pseudoscience, it's also crap pseudo-Christianity. If, if you cannot teach science properly, don't think you're suddenly qualified to teach theology. Both require critical thinking. If you fail at one, you've already failed at the other. We should read, read 2 Peter Three five. What? I I I don't even know that. I can't tell you that one offhand. 
We all have computers. It takes about five seconds to find it. Yeah, because I was surprised because I'm like, well, that's really a Genesis thing. I didn't, I didn't think Peter. I don't think Peter touched upon that at all. No, but, um, you know, I'm no expert. For this, they willingly are ignorant of that the word of God, the heavens were of the old, and the earth stands out of the water and in the water. It's probably referring to, I, I don't think it, it sounds like it's, it's just calling scientists ignorant because, you know, well, it's, it's not even doing that. Um, see, for Yeah, because it has nothing with how the earth came into being. Well, to really understand what they're talking about, you would have to probably read Peter 3, 1 through 5 first. Um, this is, this well, is the, No, wait, wait, that would be in context. Right, exactly. Okay, and that doesn't right. serve this particular right. but, exercise at But all. this in and of itself. You don't want things in context. But there is no context here at all. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's exactly the point. Yeah, let's see. There's no context. Oh wait, can I get this to read it to me? Here, hold on. Second Peter 3. The second epistle beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles. Well, that's enough of that. <laughs> hey, this is BibleGateway.com. This is fantastic. All right, well, I, out of, if, you, if you take Peter 2, 3, 5, there is no context in which to understand it. And if you want to say that, I mean, that, that scientists are being ignorant, if you want to in, interpret the, for this, they... They, being scientists, are willingly are ignorant of the word of God. The heavens are old. Yeah, sure, sure. They're right. They're right. We're wrong. But uh, it actually is kind of scary. This is the kind of thing that people are raised with and believe. And it, it goes with the um, what's his face in Texas that said we don't want to teach our kids critical <laughs> thinking skills. Oh, uh, that That's was the GOP thing. platform that said that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, th- th- this. Even this one page clearly says we're not going to try and teach our kids how to think outside the box we want to confine them to. And it is a mentality that's out there. And, it, you know, we in this podcast, we've shown how it causes more problems than anything. Well, it is dangerous. It is not more know, than anything, maybe. <laughs> that might be a little huh. stretch. But, yes, these kinds of things particularly are problematic. The, the other big issue here is that they're not attacking college institutions they're specifically going after high school institutions and they seem to miss the fact that this stuff trickles down the research is happening at the college level and the research level and then it trickles down to to the um uh, to the high schools and the junior high and that so if they really want to prove that that this is science they have to do this at the academic level in order well, for yeah, it to be Brian, accepted the point here is that they want this to happen at the high school level because high school you have to go to. College is a choice. Well, they want it to happen at the high school level because it's an easier in for them because they don't have to prove anything. They actually have to prove themselves at the academic level. That's yeah. why. Which I don't think that they can do. Maybe they can. Let them try. <laughs> I am getting it. But, you know, my point here is that it's a difference between a captive audience and forced indoctrination versus versus people who are there by choice and can listen to what they want to listen to and take what classes they want to take. Right. I think it has but I think it has more to do with the fact that they cannot they it isn't going to hold up at the academic level so so they're trying to avoid it. Mm, that instead, could be likely. Yeah, instead of doing it properly, they're they're trying to do it the easy way. 
But of course, like many others, they're mixing the Big Bang Theory and evolution together, which I remember on one blog site, um, this guy actually said something about Darwin's theory of Big Bang. And we're like, no, Darwin had nothing to do with the Big Bang. Right. But that, and that's one of the things they're doing right here. They're mixing evolution and the Big Bang Theory. It was, I was just... the, the existence of matter has nothing to do with evolution. Those are two separate things, and they've merged them. It, it is funny. I listened to one of the theistic podcasts that I listened to was talking about atheists and how if you even say anything about Darwin that they, you know, it, and it's like, okay, not one that's actually educated about evolution would probably not get that upset. I mean, Darwin, it can be questioned. <laughs> And he's wrong on many, many things. You know, they, they, they have this, they, they, they constantly setting up straw mans for themselves is what's happening. And this textbook is probably never going to be found in a school. This is probably for homeschoolers, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. This is homeschool crap. Yeah. What, what kills me is that if you, if you do homeschooling at some point, don't you actually have to be tested to find out what you know? I don't know enough about homeschooling. Oh. You would think there'd be some sort of testing done outside of the home environment. To... I just heard that that varies. Yeah. It, it seems to me that homeschooling should have some way to be accountable <laughs> and that there should be some tests that they take to show what knowledge they have. Yeah, but then you would be basing that on the assumption that the the idea is to teach kids and it's really to shut parents up. I, I believe that in many cases that is true, but I think that there are some good homeschoolers out there too. Do you really? I do. I do. I think that I, I think that there is a there's different reasons for homeschooling. Uh, I think that that people who do it that live in cities like ours is because they want to control the information. But rural kids um, might be doing homeschooling because it's hard to get to a facility. And so I think it depends on the reason that people are being homeschooled. I I think that there are some better homeschools. I don't think that they're there, all... There could be some legitimate things, but I, I, I would always... My, my assumption, and, and this is an assumption it's not tested or anything, or feeling is that there is so much more to school than learning. Absolutely. In fact, the, yeah. the learning part yeah. is kind of almost the smallest part. It's about social interaction. It's about learning social cues. And you'll never do that in your basement. Well, the other problem with homeschooling, I think, is I think that you can do it at an elementary level pretty successfully. But as you get into junior high and high school, that material gets more and more sophisticated. And the idea that even me as a parent, that I would be able to teach every single piece of that curriculum at an adequate level is unrealistic. Um, so, I mean, that's why we have teachers that specialize in their different things so that they can teach that well. So I think that I think that it it's going to suffer there, and particularly in junior high and high school, those social interactions, and maybe even in elementary school, are so important. I think so. so yeah, and I, I, mean, I just don't think you get the same thing on play dates and and other crap like that. Right. And, and again, you know, this is my own personal opinion. I don't have anything backing it up, but I just don't see how it can. I mean, <coughs> they try to compensate. They they do try to compensate for that by getting you know homeschooling groups together to do trips and do stuff like that. So they do try to compensate. I I, I did, I'm, I'm I'm hesitant to to condemn them all. Um, I know that there are there are home people that are being homeschooled because, uh, because you know parents don't want them to learn about evolution and you know and and risk that and don't want them to question their faith. I think you're mispronouncing that. I think the word you're looking for is evolution. <laughs> yes, evolution. Yes. Um, but I don't think that that I, I don't even know if that's the majority, but it's certainly the ones that we hear about. 
So I don't know. I, I think that I think that it would be much more interesting to take a, a closer look at homeschooling in general, um, because I don't have enough information to condemn it all. I sure do like condemning things. Though. <laughs> it's great to get on a high horse. <laughs> but all the right. problem with the high horse is that it sometimes sounds... you fall off. Go, go ahead. I was going to say the problem with the high horse is that eventually you, you fall off. <laughs> all right. Is there anything else? Um, I do have something to add to the whole creationist thing. Oh, please do. Just last do. month, I went to the Creationist Museum of Santee, California. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Which, it, it was known before as the trashy version of the Creation Museum, where the, the upscale one was in Kentucky. And I went there, and I was shocked about how much money they had pumped into this thing. Because I'd seen pictures of it before. It looked nothing like what I'd seen before. It's all brand new. And uh, I was able to record my entire tour of the entire thing. And we, in the one of the very few or very first entry uh, rooms, we caught one of the guys painting one of the installations. And I was sure to bring up that uh, he was painting velociraptors frolicking right next to Adam and Eve, mm. um, which I, I just found stunning that he could talk about that just with a straight face um there were school children being led through this creation museum on a tour and uh that's what interrupted my my talk with the painter that was painting that installation but there was also um there there were so many things that uh were wrong about the quote unquote okay so so michael yes the velociraptors in the garden of eden were not carnivores that's that's what I was questioning. I'm like, why are they playing like dogs right next to human beings? Right, because nothing was a carnivore till after the fall. Okay. <sighs> yeah, even though they were designed with very sharp claws and teeth and, and no teeth to chew um, plants with. Um, but that wasn't the worst parts. I mean, the worst parts were seeing a list of the evil uh, false religions that included liberal Christian sects, Taoism and Buddhism, but then towards the end of the list it said atheism, liberalism, and communism. <laughs> and it listed them as religions. Um, and I brought my, my friend Jacob, who's Catholic, with me, and he was doing the, the facepalm maneuver, and I had uh -huh. people comment on my video that uh, they thought he was going to facepalm his head off, because he was slapping himself that hard. Uh, just about every room he would he, he would uh, go ballistic. And finally, towards the middle of the, the museum, my Catholic friend was swearing. Every other word he said started with F, ended with K. It was not fire truck. And it was amazing that, like, uh, I and my other atheist friend could, you know, laugh at all of this. But he was like, this is just a blasphemy. This is not what Christians believe, you know. And, and he was really angry. Uh, the part that really uh, just stopped me in my tracks was there was they they were building a new health wing like all, all biology and, and stuff and there was a lot of good science in there um like uh anatomy and bone structure and and blood work and all this and i was like wow i don't really have a problem with with this part and then i got to the genetics part <laughs> where they had a punnett square with only four squares in it okay we all know what this is from high school biology the punnett square right they're, they were trying to say that Adam and Eve had enough genetic variability within them oh, that okay. one of their offspring was pure white and one of their offspring was pure black and the other <laughs> two were, were brown because they were, you know, it was a very simple Punnett square. 
So basically they're saying that those two people had the genetic variability to create all the different colors that we see on the planet. Okay. And that one, I, I just had to call everyone to me and say, look at this. This is hilarious. Um, but then towards the end of the museum, we, we kind of saw where the money was coming from because they actually had an installation playing Ray Comfort's 180 video about uh, yeah. abortion. Yep. And uh, then it would exit into the uh, gift shop where you could see all of Ray Comfort and uh, Kirk Cameron's Kirk Cameron. videos in there. So we know where the money is coming from, but it, it's completely revamped from uh, what people have seen in years past. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm, we'll, we'll link to that video in the show notes as well. So I haven't watched it yet. I'm interested now. One of the things about the, the textbooks in, in Texas that uh, I, I draw a correlation between uh, inserting creationism and removing uh, Jefferson from yeah. the textbooks. Because they don't like Jefferson, because people will say that he's a deist, or he was a deist, and he wasn't cr Christian, you know, and... He was a uh, The whole argument about uh, we're endowed by our creator will come up if they talk about Jefferson. So they, while they're going into the biology textbooks and putting in the creationism, they're going into the history textbooks and removing Jefferson. And... I'm not the biggest fan of Jefferson in the world. You know, I haven't studied him too much, but uh, I think that he's very important to the history of our country. Right. No, we 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 we've covered that before about them trying to take Jefferson out, <laughs> just basically, yeah, remove it's him. Same uh, felt yeah. swoop that they're they're doing these things with. Well, and that's coming out of Texas too. I mean, that that it was Texas that tried to eliminate them from the textbooks. Um, it was. Uh, and it's Texas who also wanted to eliminate who the Texas GOP that eliminated critical thinking from their platform. Yep, right. Brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Just pretend that all those things that you don't like don't exist. And, and then uh, when they can, let's try to trick uh, parents into thinking that their children are going to a real museum and railroad their children through the Creation Museum. Yeah, but that's pretty common. And in fact, uh, on February 26th or 27th, when uh, Dawkins and Catherine Stewart are talking, Eric Cernyar will be opening for them, and he'll be on the panel. And he uh, works against uh, the Good News Club, which is uh, teaching children to go proselytize to other children in schools, and they're trying to use bullying legislation to keep them from doing that. That's you know that's an interesting issue because you know parents aren't allowed to talk about it, but kids are allowed to talk about their own faith. And so if they are proselytizing, um, there's not much you can do, is there? Uh, as what they're trying to do is uh, they're leaning heavily on bullying legislation because you can't tell children that there's something wrong with them. You know, that they're bad. That that would be a bad thing. And so they're trying to um, use bullying legislation to keep it from happening. But uh, they've chosen Denver for 2013 as one of their target cities. So you know we're, you we're stop them? Yeah. You spank them. Um, <laughs> it, it is very hard because uh, it's children on the playground, you know. Well, but it has to cross a certain level to be bullying. I mean, I can see where that would be bullying, but, you know, for one kid, you know, telling telling another, oh, well, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to hell. Is that bullying? If not... it's bullying, then what, what is the implication for parents to teach it to their children? Is well, that abuse? Well, is it, well, I mean, there, there are people who claim that that is abuse. There is, there is a lot of that going on. I'd entertain both, both arguments. Hmm. 
Well, that I mean that that's a tough one to make because <laughs> is it child abuse to tell your kids that if they do not behave a certain way that that God is going to send them to hell and use that as fear? You know, it's interesting because we talk about um, about spanking, which is oftentimes a punishment of fear. If you do that, you're going to get spanked. If you do that, yeah. you're going to go to hell. And if you were to tell your child that uh, if they do not, do not uh, clean up their act, that you're going to douse them in gasoline and set them on fire, um, that would be, th- those sorts of threats, even if you didn't carry them out, would be child abuse. But if you told them that God was going to burn them for all eternity in hell, then it's all of a sudden not child abuse. It's it's a good religious upbringing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, that's it. You know, it's, I don't know. I have a, I have a, a reaction to that, you know, that, I see the logic in it that that teaching that is child abuse, but it's just so ingrained that that's just what people do. That I, even I overlook it, you know, and 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 would pass it over and not see it as child abuse. But when you paint it in those terms, I don't know how you can get around it. Well, it used to be that spanking was seen as just the way things worked. Well, they you know, they yeah. They they take that uh, that Bible quote, you know, Being spare the rod. With a belt was the way things worked just right. fifty years ago. Spare the rod and spoil the child. Yeah, yeah. I I, I can only imagine how the court case is going to go if you take if you if you take a parent to court for abusing their kids because they told them that if that that God was going to burn them in hell forever if they didn't clean up their room. Jury selection would be interesting to say the least, <sighs> wouldn't it? Well, also, there, there's the parallel just with one kid to another. If one kid were to tell another, I'm going to douse you with gasoline and set you on fire, you know, That's because you're not, it's the way that I, that I think are, are good, then, you know, that's bullying. But if, if that kid says God's going to burn you for eternity if you don't change your ways, that's not bullying. Both are a threat. Both are threats, yes. One is, um, one is, Direct action. Yeah, direct action, and one is indirect action. Well, one is saying, I have no control over it. I just know this is going to happen to you. Well, then then you're basically putting God on trial, because how indirect is that action, and how indirect do the children believe the action is? Right. You know, that's, on a certain level, that's no different than, you know, extorting protection of money out of a shop owner by saying, you know, you've got a very flammable-looking shop here. A lot of burning things. A lot of things that it burn. You know, you should pay us insurance money to make sure that, you know, nothing catches fire in your shop. Well, is it that, I mean, well, now we're devolving, but that's Pascal's wager. I mean, basically, Pascal's wager is fire insurance. Yeah. Yeah. But there's also a certain twist to it where you can say that the, the churches that are more likely to employ these methods are churches that are also more likely to use prosperity gospel, where they believe that if you are in line with God right now, that you will uh, prosper monetarily right now. And so if you have a child who doesn't have the latest Nike tennis shoes, he might uh, be uh, teased as being ungodlike. Yeah, it's it's more than just that. I mean, it, it's what... Um... What Peter Popoff is doing now, his, you know, his debt reduction plan, send me all your money, <laughs> you know, get right with God. God wants you to send me eight, eight thousand dollars. Okay. That was weird. What was weird? The computer gave out. I think Aiden didn't have his properly. I think I was running off battery power this whole time. So the computer just died. 
<laughs> looked like it was plugged in, but yeah. We got anything more to talk about tonight, or I don't know. This could devolve even further. I think that I, I actually, I actually find that discussion, um, very interesting. One, the idea of using bullying legislation, um, to I, I'd like to, I'd like to cover that more thoroughly. I, I, if you've got more links and articles about that, Michael, I'd like to see it because I think that that uh, the actual location hasn't been set yet, but okay, at the end of February, either the twenty sixth or twenty seventh, Catherine Stewart and Eric Cernyar were going to speak. And then Richard Dawkins wanted in on the panel, so he'll be there as well. So um, there, there'll be a lot of talking about that uh, in the lead-up to that panel, and also there will be meetings, especially with the SCA, sorry, uh, Secular Student Alliance, um, you know, as far as uh, mentoring children to have uh, Secular Student Alliance in high school, maybe, you know. Hasn't Dawkins... To help this, this yeah. kind of stuff out, because uh, we, we've got a lot of college-based clubs, but we don't have any that are in high school in our area, you know. Right. Didn't Dawkins come out and say, though, that he thought teaching children theology was child abuse? Didn't Wasn't he one of the ones that said that? I believe Hitchens said it. I Did he? I don't know if Dawkins did or not. Was it Hitchens? Dawkins is more famous just for his quote about that there are no Christian children, there are no... Um, you know, Buddhist or, right, Muslim, or Muslim or anything children, like that. Yeah. Kids are born without religion. Right, you have to be indoctrinated. Yeah, but I don't know if he actually came out and said abuse or not. I, it wouldn't be surprising if he did. It certainly would be in, in step with the rest of his stuff. Yeah. I'm just thinking, though, that that's a hard sell. What's that? It's a real hard sell to say that if you teach your children religion, that it's child abuse. I think that's a very hard sell, and I think that that's likely to get more backlash than it is to get forward motion. Yeah. In chapter 16 of uh, Hitchens' book, uh, God is not great, is, is religion child abuse. Okay. Talk, talk about it. Yeah, I, 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 I agree that that's a hard pill to swallow. Um, does he say that in The God Delusion? Uh, he might say that in The God Delusion. I do think that the, you know, the whole doctrine of, of the eternal hell is pretty immoral. Yeah. But fear has been proven to be a very strong thing, and you know, that's what you can raise your kids on to get them to behave. They believe the ends justify the means. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. I'm, I'm thinking Dawkins might have said that in the God Delusion, but I can't find it. Actually, Dawkins said it in the Root of All Evil series. Ah, there you go. Um, and he actually said religion equals child abuse. Yep, the Root of All Evil, yeah. Yes, and you can find that uh, online. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, even, um, you know, the Calvinists say that you, that you cannot go to heaven through works alone, that it's accepting God as your salvation. That means that you, means you get to go to heaven. So you can do all the, all the, you can be the, the best person you can be, but you're still going to hell if you don't accept, accept Jesus as your salvation. Weren't the Calvinists the people who also said, though, that there were some people who were going to heaven no matter what? And they couldn't define exactly what the, uh, what what was special about these people except that they just were? I don't know if that's Calvinism or not. I seem to recall that as being associated with Calvinism. It could, I could be. be incorrect. Okay. Well, and, you know, that's an interesting one because what, you know, it's evolved since Calvin anyway um, and become something different than actually what Calvin actually started. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I, mean, I mean, it ends up, it started off as Calvinism. Now it's just pictures of him peeing on things right. on the backs of people's cars. <laughs> That is my favorite form of Calvinism, actually. 
Am I thinking of a different Calvin? You're thinking of a different Calvin, but I do approve of that Calvinism. I don't think that's child abuse. Well, the stickers, anyway. If you're actually peeing on your kids, I think it is. All, All right. right, good night, folks. <laughs> 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 boom, boom. <laughs> night, everybody. <laughs> All right. Anything else? No. All right, let's end this tragedy. I think when you can end on peeing on children, I think you won. <laughs> Yay, I win. Life. Good night, everybody. <laughs> All right, say good night, everybody. I think we found right, our title, night, too. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. For more information about the Amateur Skeptics, go to AmateurSkeptics.com. To send us feedback, suggestions, or big flaming insults, feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website. You can leave a voicemail for the Amateur Skeptics Podcast at 720-295-7785. Music for this podcast was provided by OFM. To find out more about OFM, go to MindSpace.com forward slash OFMHQ. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons No Derivatives 3.5 license. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. Amateur Skeptics website, Facebook, and podcast album art is provided by and copyright Shadow Knight Digital Portraiture. Larger prints or custom pieces are available upon request. 